Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everyone and welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. My name is David Edgar, I'm your host as always. And uh, yeah, this pod, well, it's the, it'll be the opposite of, of fun. What's the opposite of fun? Nuff. And I think we all had enough of that performance on Saturday. Joining me to, to pick the bones out of it, and there's really no other way to put it, are uh, first of all, uh, all the way from Tel Aviv, Andy Barnett. How are you doing, David? Ah... Uh-huh. Um, yeah, yeah, you know that way when you just answer with a noise rather than an actual word, that's kind a, of a where grunt. I've yes, grunt. yeah, uh, where, where I've been since Saturday. And uh, joining us all the way from well, deepest darkest Ayrshire is the uh, the, <laughs> the instigator and fully paid up solo member of the John Bennett fan club, it's uh, Andy McGowan. <laughs> Hi, I'm fine. I'm absolutely fine. I've recovered, resilience is back up to 90%. Anybody wants to have a go. Come and go. Right, okay, well, yes, uh, I think you might have invited yourself a, a bit of trouble there, judging by the, the response that we saw at social media at the weekend. But yeah, look, let's just get straight to it. An abysmal, unacceptable performance from Rangers on Saturday at Parkhead. The, the side didn't function in any way. They didn't look ready. They didn't look up for it. They looked surprised that Celtic played at a high tempo, get the ball back into play. Uh, they they didn't look organised. Uh, they, they, they weren't aggressive. They couldn't get their own passing game going. And it was just complete dysfunction from goalkeeper outwards. Start with you, Andy McGowan. Um, now, I don't want to you know get too early back into signing signings because let's face it, deadline day, we could have signed Ronaldo. It wasn't going to make any difference to what we saw at the weekend. And if folk want to hear our uh, ranting about the, the the lack of investment, then go to Heartland Extra, which came out on Friday night. Um, that from guys who've been at the club for a while was an absolute shocker. Uh, or, or maybe it wasn't a shocker because it's the second time we've seen it this calendar year. Uh I, I took half the PSV and Coven game and you know, MD's listened, MD follows me on Twitter and know I was extremely critical after the Hibs game because of the horseshoe, patience, over-patience. Um, I thought that would be a virtue in this game because I thought, look, if we can control the ball, uh, that might not be something that Celtic are used to. Um, but we capitulated. And you're right, it's players in that team that should... Be ready. I, I, for the first five, ten minutes, you, you know, we, we've seen enough full firm games. You, you can tell what way the wind's blowing very, very early. And usually it's a good indicator of what way the, the game's going to go. And we just weren't at it. I, I particularly picked out Lundstrom. Now, Lundstrom, I love him. But, you know, there was three, four, five occasions in the first 10, 15 minutes where he, he did not come out with a winner in 50 50s. And I thought, 
this isn't going to plan, this isn't what's, um, what's made it happen in the first 10, 15 uh, an old firm game. You've got to lay down your marker physically. And the goal killed us because I, I, it should never ever be the case that we go a goal behind, even if it's seven minutes in or whatever, and we think that's the game by. But at that point, I'm like, we've got a major problem because that patient approach and probing and, and controlling the ball, that kind of goes out the window because we had to keep that, we had to score first and we had to then defend from that. And, and it's it kind of epitomises a lot of the red flags that I've been seeing have existed in our, our domestic play. It was, um, I wouldn't say it was unexpected, but I would say that we we should be more ready than this. We, 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 to have that carbon copy again for February to here defies belief. Andy, uh, Andy B on this one. Now, <laughs> you accept that, that footballers aren't perfect and that they make mistakes from time to time. That that's that happens. And obviously, the players at a certain level will make more mistakes than players at another. But there are very basic things at every single level of football, even amateur, even just a kick about with your, part, uh, with your pals in the park. And that is awareness. That is be ready you know the, the guy might skin you with a bit of skill because you're not as good as him but you shouldn't be way out of position not ready to even put in a challenge and that first goal I think it looked like Celtic were desperate to get the ball back into play try and score a goal Rangers first instinct was to turn and complain to a referee and it just set the tone for an afternoon where when it came to embracing you know the chaos of that fixture and overcoming it that, that Rangers just didn't even seem to attempt to do that and in fact were continually making these these basic errors, allowing players to run off them, allowing Celtic to get the ball back into play unchallenged, not responding to whistles, not responding to uh, decisions. Uh, just, just a real sort of <sighs> nebby crabbit performance from this Rangers team, which in that environment was always going to be exposed. It, it was embarrassing for me in, in, in big parts, and I think it represents a, an alarming trend, uh, especially uh, at Parkhead, the way that recent old firm performances have been going. Uh, and I know you, you know I'm a man for, for stats. If we look at eight, I, I picked out eight of the players who have been at the club for some time that Andy McGowan just alluded to. Tav, Goldson, Arfield, Kamara, Jack, Barisic, Kent and Morelos, uh, all of whom featured at some point. They've played, on average, well over 200 games for the club. Most of them have played about 15 old firm games. So you mm. assume half of them would have been at Parkhead. You can understand maybe a James Sands or a Malik Tillman being a bit spooked if it's their first experience or second experience. You can almost, almost give them a pass. At, at, the, same, at the same token, I think their mistakes were also rookie-like. Tillman was not involved at all. Lundstrom, correct. A, a guy of his experience should be positioning himself better to win that midfield battle. But the guys that I'm extremely frustrated with are those eight who have been at the club for four years plus. Significant experience in this fixture and for them not to show up and not know what to expect, not knowing to be switched on at throw-ins, at free kicks, at goal kicks, uh, everything. Winning the second ball if you don't win the first. Trying to make sure that you win your personal battle. None of those players did it at all. And, and they are equally if not more culpable than say the manager who by the way did get his tactics wrong and if we gave him a pass in February Gio then doing it a second time and I think yesterday was worse sorry the weekend Saturday was worse um, I still think the players have to seriously look at themselves in the mirror and want to try to address this trend. Gio's record in, in old firm games does not look good uh, in his first five we've conceded 11 goals and scored four now, you compare that to, to Gerard, and I don't like to do it too much, but with Gerard, we conceded four and scored three. So a mi minus one goal difference compared to a minus seven goal difference. We did not look like being involved in a game, in a match at the weekend. And for me, that's where it becomes unacceptable. Yeah, on that on that point, I do I do wonder sometimes if perhaps, you know, one of the things about Gerard no firms was he embraced it it you know was a very British style derby, and that there was a lot of um, 
you know, a lot of hatred in there and you had to be prepared to overcome it. And I've I've criticised Gerard before for, for maybe overdoing the whole it's a battle thing when you were going to Pataudry or or Tanadice or whatever, but uh, he got it right in old firm games. Whereas I do wonder if, if Gio, a bit like Advocate before him, and remember Gio was in the end of some cuffings when he was when he was here as a player, um, if it's perhaps it's just a big game. You know, it's just another big game, and and it's not. It's an old firm game. It's always going to have that edge. It's always going to have that cauldron. And at the weekend, you know, you just felt that the Celtic players got that more than our lads did, which was unforgivable. Whereas you contrast it with the semi final, and our boys had that kind of steely determination that they were going to go out there and do something. And uh, yeah, for for me, it was you know certainly it was an attitude thing. You can't say it wasn't because if your attitude isn't right, you spend time complaining to the referee about a throw-in rather than getting back into position. You don't switch on at an offside because you're throwing your arms up about it. And these are things that we saw on Saturday. Now, we could go through the team and we'll probably end up doing so um, by the end of the show today. But uh, Andy McGowan, John McLaughlin. Now, hands up, I said that I felt that Alan McGregor was past his best. And there's a tendency to then do a, a complete 180 um, because I thought, yeah, give, me, give McLaughlin the gloves. Um, I reckon he'll be able to handle it. Well, that that was one of the worst Rangers goalkeeping performances I've seen in an old form, certainly out with banter years teams. And then, of course, you say, well, get McGregor back in. And, and you know, to be honest, I probably would, because I don't think he can play as badly as that and play the next game. An outfield player wouldn't get to do it. I don't see why a keeper should, should be a protected species on it. But the issues with McGregor that were there last season are still there. we've maybe got ourselves into a position here where we've got two goalkeepers, both of whom are a decent level, both of whom at this stage of their careers are decent backups, but neither are a number one. It's it's a worry that's came home at roost because um, McLaughlin's been fine, right? So if you look at his Rangers career, he's been totally assured. Um, He's been remarkable in terms of his ability to play football with his feet. We've not really had any concerns at all. I think we all knew that McGregor's an exceptional shortstopper, but his ability to put his feet with the way Van Bronckers wants to play football was becoming a big, big problem. And I know that sounds stupid when you say, well, a goalkeeper's there to keep the boy in it, but when you when you have as much as the ball as is and the way we want to play, then really the goalkeeper's got to be really good at playing football. He was, long, I mean, we back to that February game and, and uh, we beat nothing. McGregor was one of the ones that was causing the major problems because every ball was going up the park or out the park and coming straight back at us. And um, it has been a problem, undeniable. And I think that's what swung the decision towards McLaughlin at the start of the season. Um, I, I really f- hope we're not getting into territory where you're flip-flopping across goalkeepers. I don't like that, personally. I think you've got to... Can I put the flag in who you think is your number one? And with unless it's cataclysmic, and you know we can define cataclysmic, you don't veer for that. So if he doesn't start in Amsterdam, then biggest question is: is that him out? And McGregor's back to number one, uh, or do you have them battling it out for each other? I, I thought that his, his performance uh, on Saturday was, you know, the fourth one was you know Andrew's level. Um, Sometimes it's hard to come back for that. We're going to say another goalie, so I think we need to. I think we need to keep going with McLaughlin. I think we need to keep going with McLaughlin. If you're asking me, where do we go for here? The fact that we play football the way we're going to play, I think we'll go with McLaughlin. And uh, I may love to regret that statement, but I just think that's the way we've got to go. If you don't, you've lost a goalkeeper. Actually, you've killed this Rangers career. I just think that. Uh, I, I just think on this one that if it had just been the fourth goal, that's an error that happens to, to all goalkeepers. It shouldn't. It's a dreadful error, but it does happen. But he should have saved the first one. I don't know what he's doing at the second. I know people have said, oh, it's a great finish, which it was. But it's a great finish because he's neither on the line nor close enough to, to get a block. He's nowhere. He just he, he literally wanders over and says, there's a space for you to hit. Now, takes a bit of skill to hit it, but he still hits it. Uh, he still provides it. Um, the third goes right through him. It was, you know, having one of those days. Uh, I, I don't know, Andy Barnett. I just tend to think that 
as I say, an outfield player gets dropped if he plays like that, and then it's up to him to go away and rebuild and, and come back into it. Uh, I do take Andy's point about confidence and whatnot, but I mean, it was horrendous. It wasn't a bad performance. It was an absolute two out of ten job. Yeah, it was it was the worst that I've seen in an old from game from a, a Rangers goalkeeper. Um, I can't recall, perhaps going back to Ali Maxwell in in 93-94 when he gave away two goals and that was only two. This was four. Every single goal conceded. McLaughlin could have done something in about three of them were, in my opinion, entirely his fault. Um, from the point of view, he should have stopped him or not given the ball away. Jota's finish, I agree. It's 50-50 on whether it's his fault. And he's not the only one, of course. Defence was ripped apart. That that Celtic team is a good team, but their attack is very potent. And between defence and goalkeeper, nobody seemed to switch on at all, which was, was very poor. But I, I think I'm I'm going to side with Andy McGowan here and that I don't know if, if changing the goalkeeper... I, I We definitely can't go back and forward between the two. I don't think Gio will change because he seems a, a, quite a level-headed manager from that perspective and that he'll stick by McLaughlin for now. Um, I hope that it's just a very bad day at the office because, to be honest, he hasn't really done too much wrong up until this point uh, apart from I would say maybe the USG game away yeah, and, and to be fair he had played in an old firm before it's not like you could say well it was the yes. old firm he had played in one and was perfectly competent in it yeah yeah but I think he's, he's had two bad games both of both of which have been very important USG away and and this this game and but aside from that he's been he's been fine so it's a difficult one. I think it's a it's a bigger problem, though. I think this is the 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 issue with re-signing McGregor for a year and essentially what looks like a pension for a year, and he's going to be a cup goalkeeper. Um, when we perhaps, in hindsight, and it's always a wonderful thing, but maybe should have invested in that position. Yeah, definitely. And you know, Robbie McCrory is there. It's if he's third choice now, then it's quite clear he doesn't really have a future at Rangers. No. So that's another issue to, to put into it. Um, there's plenty of blame to, to go about for it. Uh, the midfield was nothing, I thought. And the thing is, people have said, well, you go there to, to sit back. Rangers didn't go there to sit back and, in fact, had quite a lot of possession. We just did bugger all with it because we are far too slow in our build-up. And it is an ongoing issue. It's not new. It happens a lot. And we saw it at the weekend there. We don't really have any pace in the side. And I think that good teams can figure that out. And even the poorer teams in the league, let's be honest, um, have found that on their own patch, with their, their own crowd behind them, that they can nullify a Rangers team I mean, we don't go to away games. Even, I was trying to think of it, you know, like, I'm not even talking about Pataudry or, or the Easter Road or Tynecastle. When do we go and beat St Mirren or Motherwell threes and fours? It, it seems to have been a long time. We've seen it in Livingston. The first, the first 45 minutes, I'm, I was worried. I, I, I was trying to tell myself internally, stop overreacting, but I couldn't deny what my eyes were seeing. This horseshoe passing it, it betrays itself as a lack of intensity teams are able to sit and conserve energy to, you know take a chance if they get it and the problem we've got is that if we go behind that lack of intensity becomes a major problem because we've not got a gear that we seem to be able to shift up it, it's very very predictable that the the answer becomes get the ball we can and hope for some individuality from him yeah. or Ian or someone, Yeah, and I think that that is a very good point. I think that quite often this season we've thought, right, well, Tillman will do something or Kent mm-hmm. will do something or um, possibly uh, Lawrence, when he's there, will do something. And you're right, there's no obvious structure to the attack and play. Now, it works well in Europe. We, we've seen that. Um, but really the only time that, that Rangers seem to show intensity over the last few months is in European matches that we're chasing and yeah. Ibrox, you know, goes goes nuts and um really controlled performance in Eindhoven, absolutely, took advantage and, and got a goal. Uh excellent play by Tillman. But again it was good individual play. Uh, I don't see us often, you know, there were moments against 
St Johnston at home, uh, you know, for oh sorry, Ross County at home for uh, that there was some some good play when we did seem to have more attackers on the part. If you're relying on individuals, I'll come back to you, Andy McGain. If you're relying on individuals and the individuals are not firing, then you're in trouble because at the weekend there was no Lawrence Tillman. Again, I'll always excuse a young debutant in his first old firm away at Parkhead because I've seen better players than. Malik Tillman struggle in that environment. You hope he learns from it, obviously. But uh, Ken is an absolute shadow of what he can be and what he should be. I don't think Tav has played well at all so far this season. Um, I don't think he's been providing the the sort of thing he usually does, certainly not domestically. Uh, and the midfield, uh, I feel like Bart Simpson style getting Geo to write on a chalkboard a hundred times. Glenn Kamara cannot play as a 10. Glenn Kamara cannot play as a 10. So you took words out of my mouth because that's where straight I was going to go to because it epitomised what we were dealing with on Saturday, which was that you've got Glenn Kamara who um, is probably the last person in the Rangers squad I would want to have a shot from the edge of the box. Um, he's not... He's actually quite good again by a player, but he does it once in a blue moon. And he doesn't hurt teams when he's playing there. And I keep getting told, well, he does it for Finland, and he, he you know, he looks particularly silky and all that kind of stuff. But as soon as I, as, as soon as I seen the team on the park, and I saw that Tillman was right and Kamara was central, I was like, ah. you know, my kind of heart sank because with Tillman centrally, you, you you may get a shot off him, you may get him on the end of a cross. I mean, what Barisic was one of the few pass marks in terms of attacking wise with the crosses he put in were absolutely brilliant and you really only had Cholak whereas you would like to think and Tillman through the middle was going to be at the six yard box or the penalty spot or something so um, th- this goes back to Gio's DNA and the fact that you were talking earlier on about the kind of cerebral approach the Dutch approach where technicality takes precedence over the physicality or whatever you want to call it and that's why we've kind of been found out in the February game and this game um, but also we've not got enough goals in the squad and I mean the team and so how do you remedy that? You don't remedy it by putting Kamara at 10 <laughs> that's the one thing you don't Kamara is a peripheral midfielder that does his best work when he's patrolling the, 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 one of the channels defensively and, and keeping it nice and tidy like he did in, in Eindhoven um, so it, it's too easy to just knock it off as one of those days it's no, there's things here that we really need to address, and Bronckhurst and his coaching team really really need to address the DNA, what is our de- identity how we approach old firm games it's not just another game how do we um, get more goals through passages of play rather than individuality under Gerard and Beal, you could close your eyes and see that movement from by kick to tav. Somebody drops in the middle, you know, it's out to the wing. There was patterns of play that were clearly worked on on the on the training park, and I don't see anything of that nature whatsoever with this team. It's um, except the horseshoe, the fucking horseshoe that we're now familiar with. Mm. It's. Um, He's going to have to change it. I said this after the Hibs game. If he doesn't change his domestic approach quite wholesale, he's got a major, major problem. Well, on that, Andy uh, Barnett, there's, his away record in 2022 is 10 away games, uh, 16 points out of 30, and a neutral goal difference. Now, <laughs> that is not a Rangers a successful Rangers team set of stats. And as Andy says, nor are the the issues that we have in these matches unfamiliar because we do see the same really in, in each of the in each of the matches and there is this lack of, of positive identity and it just seems to be that in Europe one off games we set up usually ideally, you know, we, we can play the way that I think some of the players want to play. I don't know whether the players raise their game for these occasions or not, or if it's just a completely different environment that suits them. But what we do know is that we're coming up against sides who shouldn't be able to live with us. And even if we get the victory, they are living with us. Uh, I mentioned before about the trend, and and you gave some numbers there. I think I read something that Geo's only won six league games away from home 
since he joined the club out of 13, uh, less than half. Now, part of me agrees with you, Dave. Like the the way that Geo sets up uh, is not suitable um, for games away from home, I don't think, given those numbers. But with our own eyes, what we see in front of us, we invite the opposition into the game in their, in their patch. Whereas at Ibrox, those tactics can, can work because, you know, we eventually do have the quality to pull us through with the crowd and everything else. And we seem to play a little bit more direct at home. Um, Geo, that Dutch mentality of you, know, you win the home games easily, but away from home, he almost over-respects the opponent, as you said. But I think it goes deeper than that, David. I, I might say something that fans yourselves might not agree with, might not like, but I think since that game at Livingston when 55 was clinched, I think a lot of these players have regressed and in some cases chucked it domestically. Whether it's that they've personally had enough of the monotony of Scottish football, I don't know because they've played terrific in Europe, above themselves in Europe. But domestically and in the league, um, mainly talking, not just away from home actually, but I think since that Livingston game, that's 18 months almost, I think so many of the players, especially the eight that I mentioned before, have been very, very below par uh, at best. And in some cases, like Kamara, uh, poor. Um, and that was an accumulation of that at the weekend. And I don't know how to change it because it wasn't just a geo problem. For me, it goes back to, to Gerard, And I don't think they've been able to refine that intensity that they had during the 55 season. Uh, and whether they're tired. I think Tav, you mentioned before, David, that Tav's not started the season well. He hasn't, but it looks like there's an element of exhaustion about him. Um, and some of the other players have just, they seem to have lost that that spark. And they, oh, we, we've spoken about the lack of transfer activity coming in, but we have a lot of players there already on high wages in the squad that are not delivering. And I think so much of it, because on paper they're good enough, but it does, it comes down to, to attitude. And finally, just to finish off with regards to, to Gio, I don't believe he is the man that can win a, a Scottish Premier League. I think he's a terrific cup manager, both in Europe and domestically. I have no doubts that we'll progress in the, in the League Cup. We'll pro- hopefully get a decent result midweek in Ajax because he, he is an overthinker on, on individual games. He knows how to get those games done. But if we want to be the dominant force in Scottish football domestically, I don't think Gio is the man, but I think more importantly, I think the the bulk of the squad are not are not right. I think they've passed their best, they've done it, and they've. I really believe there's part of me that thinks that they've they've mentally chucked it. Yeah, I think that in terms of that discussion about you know what happened last season, I think there were definite signs of it. There was no doubt. I mean, Conor Goldson himself said that there was a hunger issue, and if you look at the highlights of the the last year. And there have been a lot, but they've been in games where it was all or nothing on the night. You know, been in the Cups, as you say, it's been in Europe, where there's just an edge that isn't there in the league games. And the league games quite often feel like a slog. And we can talk about whether that's tactical. We can talk about whether or not that's application. It's a team that struggles very badly to start well. It just doesn't do it. it. It's actually more surprising when it does than when it doesn't. It's a team that takes a while to get going and it's almost like you go into your work unenthusiastic and you go, Christ, and you, you get on with it, but you know it's hardly whizzing through your day and, and Rangers games domestically often feel like that to me. And then you're up against a side on Saturday who are on the crest of a wave, love and life, they feel good, they feel confident and you see the difference because... Yeah. They, they they wanted to be out there and doing what they do and what they're confident in doing, whereas our lads, I hate to say going through the motions, but there's certainly a feel. And then eventually, most weeks, they do pull themselves together and go, right, come on, and they, they get over the line. But it's a, such a an effort to drag themselves, and it feels like they drag themselves there. And I was just going to add one more thing. It's, it, it's how it affects the new players as well, which is something that concerns me, that if you're a, a, a Lawrence uh, or Tillman, or uh, Yilmaz, or any of the new guys that have come through, even Cholak, who, to be fair, has had a, a brilliant start to the season. Eventually, it will happen to them. We saw with Lundstrom last year, you know, it took him a long time to settle in. And I think a lot of that was down to what was going on around him as much as anything else. And, and I fear that that's going to be the same, that we'll see a dip in Cholak's form 
We'll see, you know, Lawrence when he comes back from injury. How up up for it is he going to be? Tillman might struggle for confidence over the next few weeks, and I think that the players around him, the experienced players, have to be doing so much more. Uh, to, to get out of him because if you turn up at a club or a job yourself and you see there's a lack of spark amongst your peers and your 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 fellow professionals your colleagues then what are you going to do after a few weeks it's just going to infect you as well and I think there's a, there's a, a big big problem there I really do and I know it's we're, we're reactionary now after a, a horrendous result but I think we're being fair and that we've looked deeper into it over the last year to 18 months and and that's really as I say what concerns me is that I, I think there's a lot of talent at the club especially with the new players but we won't see the best of them until everybody really has a serious attitude change it's not just Morelos that's had a bad attitude this season put it that way yeah and again uh, an attitude thing doesn't necessarily need to be you know out in the piss no no of course yeah, not, of course, we're, yeah. We're, not, we're not saying that, that you know the players a hunger that we're probably. highlighting a, a hunger yeah we're not saying that the yeah. players uh, that, we're, that we're discussing are going into training late or no, know, no, swinging no. the lead it's nothing like that it's just there doesn't seem to be any joy in what Rangers do except in these one-off massive games where there's an edge and a spark and a difference and it, and it feels exciting and you know it, it's all or nothing that night and that's when they respond, but when they're having to go, you know, for, and, and you're right, for some of them, for the umpteenth time to Easter Road, you know, for the umpteenth time to Fur Park, then it just seems that there's a, a sort of lack of enthusiasm that translates into their play. Uh, and, and look, with, this is something that Andy banged on about a few weeks ago. I mean, I, I'll be honest, I'm, hindsight is a wonderful thing. And as a football fan, I think you're entitled to it. And I'm a fairly optimistic fan. So when things are okay and we're winning I'll say yeah great and try to look at the glass being half full and then when it's revealed that it's in fact half empty I think you're you know allowed to say that and that's kind of what we're doing here because in no universe I know that there's the the theory that there's a, a an infinite number of alternative universes where everything is is played out every single decision is played out differently and none of them will a Rangers manager be able to go and lose 4 nil at Parkhead and not get severely criticised. It's not going to happen. So that I think is a realistic appraisal of of where we are. Uh, we're not really set up, I think, correctly as you mentioned, Andy, to win a title. I get Andy McGowan. I get heavy vibes of when Lewis Van Gaal was at Manchester United, and funnily enough, he won a cup um, at Manchester United, but. A lot of the complaints were the same. There was no zip. There was no drive to the play. It was all very staid, all very tactical and technical. And again, it translated into a cup success, but they were miles off it in the league. And I'm getting really worrying vibes about that. And it's one of those thoughts that has been popping up occasionally. And I've tried to just bat it away and say, no, I don't bugger off you, you nasty thought. But when you're watching that on Saturday, all you can do is go, yeah, well, there it is. Well, I'm using the phrase Geo's DNA deliberately because you kind of change your DNA and I'm, I'm, I'm really fearful that Geo can't change it. Now, he's got a massive background staff. You've got Mackay, you've got Voss, you've got the, the new boy whose name escapes me. Kerry Bowley. That's the one. And um, you've got to imagine, as I've mentioned in previous pods, the influence of Voss, I think, became clear last year when he came in and it helped our European run. But Gio's the boss, and I think it's his personality that, that, that eventually pulls through or is the dominant personality upon the team. And he is a very, very cool player, cool manager by the looks of it. I don't mean cool as in the phones. I mean as in literally he doesn't lose his temper or lose um, focus. And I do think that the Dutch sensibility of technicality over physicality is something that runs deep with him. And um, I wonder if there's players on our team who are a wee bit um, compromised by the tactical uh, impositions upon them. Now, I'm going to use an example here. Now, don't take the player I'm going to talk about as a signal of anything other than an indication of what I'm trying to say here, Sakala. Sakala is a player that plays off the cuff, has pretty much zero tactical awareness, and... Uh, 99 times out of 100, Gio Van Rockhurst will choose Scott Wright over Sakala. And I've made the comment that in some of the games, particularly at home, we need a wee bit of chaos to change things up. And 
you could be playing the likes of Sakala. I'm not saying Sakala's answer. I'm just saying you could be playing the likes of Sakala to uh, try and invigorate your attacking play and take the chance on whatever tactical deficiency Van Bronckers might have. Because you can see what you want about Sakala. He, he creates a goal for it and you don't really know what he's going to do. Whereas with Scott Wright, I, I, I don't want to be cruel to the boy, but he's, he's becoming a paint-by-numbers winger with a wee bit of pace. And when they look at a place in a Warburton team, you know, he, if he was he playing has, a Warburton team today, we'd be saying, ah, he's a good player, yeah. but he's not, he's not what we need to get to the next level. No, the, the, the reason that, I know exactly what you're saying, it's because the reason the manager loves Scott Wright, and he does, and he gives him a lot of opportunities, it's because Scott Wright does exactly what he tells him. Exactly. He will run the areas that the manager tells him to run. He will do all the things the manager wants him to do, whereas other players won't. Again, to, to use an example for the past, and again, I think a manager with a lot of these echoes, um, when Benitez was at Liverpool, uh, it was felt that they're a wee bit too predictable at times. So they signed Robbie Keane because he would play off the cuff and he dropped him after about three weeks because mm-hmm. he was like, no, I can't, you know, I need a player that I know he's going to do what, what I tell him to do. Um and you're right, that's a natural inbuilt football conservatism. Uh, you, you join us tonight, folks, when Andy's just heading out to a street party for the, the new PA. Both of you actually probably <laughs> um, And Andy McGowan is certainly the, the charter member of another uh, fan club in Saltcote. So, uh, I'm going to stop you there. I just tend to deliver my, my Unite Union membership card all day, so you can't just... What? You fucking sellout. I cannot believe you. <laughs> Uh, the Tory, the Tory thing's just a—it's uh, uh, an eighty percent persona, but so yeah. it is. Aye, so it is. An eighty percent persona and a one hundred percent voting record. But uh, I, I'm, I'm staying out of it. I've got my the, my own uh, local election to deal with yeah. in a couple of months. So you, you guys, you guys, crack on there. No, let's not get as really politics. Yeah, we're all having a tough enough week without getting into that particular uh, that particular nightmare. So yeah. Uh, Let's just uh, concentrate. And before anyone gets offended, Andy and I like to wind each other up about this, folks. It's not uh, in any way serious. But let's... Anything uh, <laughs> away from talking about that fucking <laughs> game. Go for Sakala to Liz Truss, my God. I have a very active mind and I have an, a mind that likes to run away from its problems. And I think that, the, you know, we've got 99 problems right now and the pitch is one. Um, Can I just I, say, though, that the last time that Britain had a female right wing prime minister, it was the start of nine in a row. Just wanted to throw that out there. I'll tell you that right now. And if, if, if someone can guarantee me nine in a row... I'll vote Tory, right? I'll vote anybody you ask me to, with the exception <laughs> of one particular party in Scotland who, you know, you would need to uh, you would need to take me outside and hit me over the head first. But back to the football. So we've got all these problems, right? They're obvious. Um, and the great thing, in a way, about football is that you can debate it and debate it and debate it. And we do. We love doing it. We have this website to do it. We have all our, our listeners who join in with us. We, and, and we get all this, you know, good discussion actually learn a lot from our listeners and there comes a point though where the result is just staring you in the face and you cannot anymore have a theory or a debate about it because it is what it is rangers got cuffed rangers don't win enough games away from home these are the 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 indisputable truths of the matter now what do we do now you know i've said before sometimes people say where do we go from here well we go to amsterdam and then we go to petodre football keeps going you know it's not a case of you go on when you're ready. It's you go on and Wednesday at five forty five, you go on and Saturday at twelve o'clock. It's all there. You need to just fess up and do it. But I think the manager has got to look at here's the thing for me. I'll start with you, um, Andy Barnett on this one. He's gone with the tried and tested guys this season. And that's understandable because you, you sometimes want to put in your your new guys and, and just drip feed them in with the exception of Cholak who kind of had to play really right from the start. Everybody else was sort of introduced slowly. Tillman, when he got introduced, hit the ground really running fast. So he, he played a bit more, but the rest for whatever reason, haven't played. There comes a point when you sit and go, if you keep doing what you're doing, you'll keep getting what you're getting. So if you have options, surely it's time to use them. And that's when you start looking at guys like Ridvan. That's maybe when you even start looking at guys like Charlie McCann and saying, okay, short term, 
it might not be absolutely ideal, but the potential upside, both long term and in the next couple of months, is high. Whereas going with the guys who are just delivering the same stuff most weeks, I, I can't see why that would be any different to what we've witnessed. There's an age-old argument with Rangers uh, fans is that would you sacrifice a season of a transition and development um, from the old into the new and the young, a, knowing that we'll win probably nothing, we'll be 10 to 15 points behind the other lot come come May, even before that, the way we're going right now. But the longer term is that these young players will have blended in, they'll have a season of development behind them, and then next year we can have a real crack at it on all fronts. Most Rangers fans I know would say no, because we're built on, no, we want to win and we want to win now. And these players that are currently here are on big wages, so how can you drop them? How, you know, rotate them, yes, but drop them, no. I really believe that this year, now has to be one of transition because I think whilst of course it's September for Christ's sake, there's hard you know we're six games into the season, thirty two games still to go, but if we're being honest, if we carry on like this and starting even away at Petodre uh, at the weekend, in which case if we lose Aberdeen go in front of us in the league, I don't see Geo coming back from something like that unless he has a vision of trying to change it. Andy McGowan spoke about the DNA. What is it we want to be? What kind of team do we want to be? Do we want to be that Ajax model where we produce great players, we win the league 50%, maybe 60% of the time, but every sort of three to four years we have a turnover and we start and build again. If that's what we want to do, then fine, but that has to be something that's universally accepted and that's a big problem because I don't believe it will be. We've got until the World Cup, really, I think, to hang into a title race. Um, so what's that, a couple of months, basically? Uh, 10 to 12 league games or whatever it is. Because we don't face Celtic again until January. But I think if we can hang on until the World Cup uh, by winning, you know, I think we can maybe afford to not win one of those games. But that is really it. Anything more than that. Because I don't see Celtic dropping many points at all which means it's up to us. So starting in Ajax, yes. And this is the irony. I feel that we can go there this week and get to get and get a result. I really, really do because that's the players and the management. That's their, you know, their happy place. But domestically, I have to say, unless he changes the formation, unless he changes the personnel, I see us dropping further behind. Uh, and again, that's not to be too negative, but... It's just the trend and the way I see it. We know how up for it Aberdeen will be. We know how up for it Hearts will be in a few weeks. And the other games that will come thick and fast as well. So if we can hang in within six points of Celtic come the World Cup and then we can go from there, then I think we'll be okay. But my heart tells me yes, my head tells me no. Andy McGill? I agree with a lot of that. I think the, the game on Saturday was a... Um, an analogy for our season. If, we, if we'd stayed in there to half time, we would have had a chance, believe it or not. I know that sounds ridiculous now if they're nothing coughing, but if we'd get in one nothing, we would have had a chance because the second half provides a new dawn. Um, we've got to stay in touch now, and that sounds ridiculous, but as a reality we're in is that um, Celtic are currently a juggernaut, they're attacking, they're scoring goals, they do not look like drop points to the dross that we face in the, in the, in the league, and we need to stay in touch with them until the World Cup uh, and then as we know we always respond great to winter breaks and all sorts so we'll come back even better and then we'll just catch up on but nah, in all seriousness we need to we need to get our players bedded in that have come in because I think this is part of the problem if I'm being generous to Rangers we've got players that are still bedding in and I think it's something we often forget we talk about Tillman he's a young boy he, he, I think he's going to be a superstar I stand by that Um his next old firm game, he will be better. Matondo seems to have been written off in the back of a game against Queen of the South. I think that's nonsense. I think we need to start bedding him into the game more. You know, I'd, I'd like to see him being playing before Scott Wright, for example. Nothing against Scott Wright. Well, actually, I've got something against Scott Wright. But um, when Ben Davis has started coming, I think he'll make a change. I think we could potentially see Sands move up one in the, in the team and give us a wee bit of bite in the middle of the park, get more out of Lundstrom. All these kind of things are the inches that have contributed to what happened um, on Saturday. They're not the reason. The reason is that we were totally ill-prepared and, and the desire and the uh, you know 
the alertness, the, the literal alertness on the part was missing. But I think there is a lot of factors that haven't quite went in their favour so far. And we really should have expected from a what was a mini overhaul. I know it doesn't seem like it because we didn't have players uh, a much changed team. But we have had a wee bit of a mini overhaul. I would have liked to have seen Lowry fit in playing. Um, oh, yeah. Because yeah. I think he, he would be on the bench and making a, a difference uh, to, to our attacking uh, invention, I've got to say. And I think Again, he will come in. He does something that none of the rest of them do, which is his first thought all the time is can I play this forward? Now, yeah. sometimes he'll give the ball away. That's especially at his age, he'll get better with it, you know, through experience. But we have a clutch at midfielder who far too often their first instinct is keep it nice and tidy, turn away out of trouble, retain the ball. And that's a skill. And you do need it, but you need one of it. Yeah. You don't need three of it. And Lowry is, is the one that you kind of look around the squad. Arfield as well, but Arfield, with all due respect, doesn't have Lowry's natural ability. No. And that's not to say, by the way, that Lowry will go in and have the career that Scott Arfield's had. Arfield works so hard and um, but in terms of technique, I don't think I'm being outrageously unfair to say that you would suggest that Alex Lowry has a wee bit more of it naturally. But they're the only guys that will go, as soon as I get the ball, I'm looking up and seeing who's who's making a move, who's making a run. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, then, you, you know, we need more, you know, we need more from the wide players. Kent, we, we've mentioned this, this is not new, there isn't a Rangers fan out there, he doesn't score enough goals. Nowhere near it. And he's actually getting worse, I think, in front of goal, where it's looking further and further away. Well, let's hope he rams those words right up my, uh, well, uh, unfortunate place, but that's where it would deserve to go if he goes and has a stormer and bangs him in against Ajax. Nice easy fixture, Andy Barnett, for us to get back on the horse with, you know, just just going to Holland, playing an Ajax team. But, um, again, weirdly, you just think that this team, this is the type of game that they respond in. And it's you know bizarre, it's counterintuitive, but yet here we are. I think if we had a home game against a St. Johnson or something like that, it, it would find it tough because we know it would be turgid and we'd all get frustrated and then we'd probably win 2-0 with the two setting half goals and coming away going, thank God for that. I think Ajax away is exactly the type of game that this group of players need to bounce back. Um, because this is this is where they want to test themselves. It's the Champions League for fuck's sake. This is what we've all been building up Aye. to. And, if you can't get up for this, yeah, then then they couldn't get up for Parquet. You know. Well, that's that's true. But I think I think we will go and get a result. I think we can we can get a point. I can I can actually see that we could even get three. Um, I think Ajax are well. We know what Ajax are as a club, phenomenal club. They have lost a lot of players. I was listening to, to James Forrest on the on the, the hangover about that and the commentary from the, the, the guy from the Netherlands there. And they have lost a lot of good players. They don't play as, as quick and intense a game as Celtic do, I don't believe. And I think this might suit Rangers. Uh, and if, if and it's always that, that two-letter word, if our players are switched on and they execute what Gio tells them to do, I think we'll get a result and it may paper over, paper over the cracks domestically, but it'll still be absolutely fantastic. This team thrives in Europe and we all do as fans. We prefer brilliant European nights over, over no disrespect to the SPFL games at home or away for that matter. But it has to be something long-term. You know, this is the immediate and we can only look at the next game in front of us. But if we do get a result, draw or a win, fantastic, brilliant. But then Aberdeen away, we cannot see has dropped more points. I think that's almost more important, you know, looking ahead at, at the weekend. But uh, first things first, I'd like to see one or two changes. It's hard to drop Bourne. I know you mentioned before about bringing in Ridvan at this stage, but I feel Bourne has actually won uh, probably in our top three or four players so far since the start of the season. Although he is one of these guys you just mentioned to that has the, the tendency to, to pass it backwards rather than forwards. But I, I would like to see one or two changes. I just don't think the Gio will make too many. That's my only concern, I have to say. But if everyone's on it, I think we'll get a result. Um, I, I also really enjoy Europe, European nights, some amazing ones recently. I probably enjoy more a big silver trophy getting waved at me after 38 games. But yep. Uh, yep. that's, you know, the, uh, the moment maybe it's take what we can get. 
Right, folks, that will do us for this week on Heart and Hand. Uh, we'll be back, of course, next week uh, here on the Monday uh, to review what happened at Pataudry. Uh, Adam will be back, uh, but I think Friday this week because uh, he's planning uh, his trip to Amsterdam and, and it doesn't involve an awful lot of being able to see from what I can gather with his itinerary. So uh, it'll probably be Friday night before you hear from him on that one and he will review the Ajax game and preview that trip to Pataudry. Just time to thank our executive producers in London, Mike Lee and Paul Myers, and to thank my two guests today. Never a, a good shift to be asked to do after we've uh, lost an old firm game, but I thought they both did very well. First of all, Andy Barnett. Yeah, thanks, David. And uh, if I don't know if you're going yourself to the Netherlands, but whoever is going, I hope you enjoy it and have a safe journey. Yes, I'm off to the the Netherlands via the North Pole because uh, that was the, the 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 direct flight prices where I honestly think NASA launched space shuttles for less. <laughs> Than the yeah, tra- travel safe Glasgow. So, like a lot of bears, I'm going, but uh, uh, I'm going via uh, some exotic locations. And of course, as always, Andy McGowan. It's going to say my pleasure, but it was, it was murder. Um, I'm, I'm not no going to Amsterdam, but you can all start wishing me a safe trip to Naples anytime you want because I'm beginning to regret booking it. Um, someone told me today that. Uh, Naples isn't as bad as it's portrayed, which I am clutching onto, like you know, uh, uh, like I would be if I'd been on the Titanic. I'd be clutching onto someone else's baby, pretending it's mine, uh, like <laughs> Billy Zane in that movie. Uh, so I'm, I'm clutching onto that fact, right, folks? Uh, of course, you can hear more from us if you go to our Patreon. It's patreoncom forward slash hand one pounds fifty per month, and uh, you will get up to five shows every single, or from one pound fifty per month, you will get up to five shows every single day. Thank you so much for joining us, and uh, keep the heat up. We'll talk to you again next week. Bye-bye, everyone. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.